Let me just say to begin with, it is a an honor to be here. Uh, if you were expecting Brother Randy, I'm afraid you're going to be disappointed. Uh, we're close. We look about alike. He wears glasses, and I don't, so you could tell us apart that way, I guess. Or you could tell us apart the way uh, 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 we, my wife and I had an, uh, an elder and his wife over for dinner at a congregation we just uh, started uh, started work with, and as as the congregation went on, uh, the elder's wife was talking about the previous preacher, and she was just talking different things about him. She said, now, he's not like you. He's smart. So uh, I guess that's how you could differentiate us, I guess, is uh, I'm not like him. Uh, he's smart. So uh, that's the same elder's wife that was complimenting my wife on her cooking and looked at me and said, now I can tell why you're overweight. Your wife's such a good cook. So uh, didn't know quite how to take that. But I do appreciate being here, and I appreciate uh, this congregation and the work that is done here. I know Brother Randy and his family is, is doing a great, great work here, and uh, uh, the leadership here, and uh, all, the, all the members. Uh, uh, seem like everywhere I go, I hear something good about Pippin, and uh, the way uh, congregations are nowadays, uh, that's good to hear. That, that's really good to hear when you uh, know that a church is sound and, and still growing, because a lot of congregations don't think you can grow and be sound. They think that you have to stray from that to get the crowd, and uh, you're evident that that's not true, and you're, you're to be commended for that. Uh, actually, the song that you sung actually does go with the lesson. Uh, uh, maybe not in the way that uh, uh, Brother Randy was going to present probably the home and mothers, but it is about women, and it is about society, and it is about mothers, and it is about a choice uh, that we're going to uh, talk about uh, today. The reason I, I have this lesson, this is a lesson that I've been working on and, and uh, uh, developing, so when uh, I was called to ask if I could come here, this is actually what I was working on, so um, I thought it would be appropriate uh, to preach. Um, you have, back in 1973, I believe there's something happened we're all familiar with. Uh, January 2nd, 1973, when abortion was made legal. Um, when you think about that time, uh, I don't know if, if our country really thought the devastation that that was going to bring. Uh, I think maybe when uh, it all came about, it was more about, and, and they try to still say it is today, it was more about freedom, uh, more about choice. It's more about, uh, you know, I, I don't want anybody telling me my business. It, it's my choice. So I think they thought it was more about that than actually sanctioning murder. Um, but that's exactly what it was. And, and what actually got me thinking about this lesson was uh, when you had uh, Ronald Reagan in 1984. I'm going to have to make sure I figure this out. Uh, 1984, he actually uh, uh, sanctioned a, a day which was called uh, Sanctity of Life Day. So you have here, and I've got all the presidents, and before I lose anybody, this isn't a political sermon, uh, I'm just going through the events that took place during this time, and it does fit into politics, just like it fits into religion, just like it fits into our life. But you had from the beginning, you had a, a, a president that was, was in office when this took place. You had a couple presidents that, that really didn't say anything about it. Carter was more on education about it. But then you had Reagan in 1984, and I was actually, the reason I started this lesson, I was researching some things on Reagan. Reagan was just, uh, he was the first president in 1984. I was 14 years old. And um, he's one that I noticed the most at that time, uh, some things that he did. So I was just doing some research about him. And I actually came across where he actually sanctioned or, or, or dedicated a day called Sanctity of Life Day. And he did this on the very, on an anniversary that abortion was made legal, January 22nd, 1973. So here in 84, January 22nd, he said this is going to be Sanctity of Life Day. And he made it the third Sunday uh, in January. That's when it was to be celebrated. So it went on through him. Then it went on through Bush. And then Clinton kind of uh, did away with it. Then it was reinstated with uh, Bush Jr. And then it was done away with when uh, Obama became president. So as you see going through this uh, transition, one thing that really sticks out in my mind is you know, what is our thought process? You know, we have Sanctity of Life Day. What exactly does that mean? Sanctity of life. It means we're honoring life. We're reverent uh, life. We're, we're looking at life and saying there's something special about life. On the very anniversary of when we said it's okay to take a life. Um, you know, it kind of lets us know, our mindset, it kind of lets us know that there are individuals out there that say, you know, 
there is something special. There is something special about life, and we're going to go through it uh, today and see. Ronald Reagan was actually quoted as saying, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. And then I thought about that a lot. That, that, that's really, you know, it kind of makes me laugh just to think about it. Because you think about these that are so uh, um, angry when, when they're talking about abortion and saying you, it, it's a right to choose and, and you should have the ability. These are the very ones that their mother decided not to have an abortion. You know, they've already been born, so they can fight. They can fight for it. They can say all of this, but they've been born. Um, and it's kind of, uh, kind of comical in that aspect when you really think about it. But he was quoted as saying that. Now, when you think about it, last year especially, abortion has become another hot topic because of Planned Parenthood and the secret videos that, that happened with those officials that were in Planned Parenthood. And the first one up there, the director, we've all really seen, that was the one that was in the media the most. We've seen that video of the director that were actually eating her salad and drinking and having a calm conversation about selling the parts and organs and things of babies. And how she nonchalantly, while she was just eating her salad, talked about this. And as, as offensive as that video is, and as, as ugly and, and devastating as it is, the other one you may not be as familiar with. I wasn't until I got to researching this. That's the one that bothered me the most. Uh, Miss O'Donnell. Miss O'Donnell was an ex-procurement uh, uh, technician. And what her job was, she was the one that you seen when you came in. If, if a scared uh, 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 woman was to come in wanting a pregnancy test or wanting a checkup or, or something like this, come in the Planned Parenthood facilities, she was the one that you would talk to. And in the process of talking to her, from her superiors that she said told her, her job was to make sure to, at first I thought it was to get consent for either an abortion or for uh, taking certain parts of the child. But that's not exactly the case. Because the case is, many times they didn't even need the consent. Many times the, the woman didn't know what they were actually going to do. And more times than none, that was the case. They could come in scared, thinking that they were pregnant, take a pregnancy test, find out that they are, then through the process of all of this, end up eventually having an abortion, end up eventually having the parts of that child sold, and her not really realize what she was getting into. They, they would have situations where they would have a checklist. Okay, this university or, or this group or this group, they want a a lung or a heart from a 15-week a, a uh, 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 fetus there. They want this from this 11-week. Uh, uh, Be sure that you get that. You know, this, this, I mean, this is what it became. And as I, it's about a 10-minute video, and I encourage you to go and kind of watch that if you have the stomach for it. Listening to that just devastated me. I, I couldn't believe what I was listening to that they would take advantage of a situation. And this is how I kind of want this lesson to go. It, it, it is about abortion. It is going to have the standard things that I'm sure Brother Randy has preached on when it comes to abortion that you have heard. But there are some elements that I want us to think about uh, as we think about how to fight against this and how to stand up against this. And, and in some instances, we actually encourage it and don't realize that we do. And I'm talking about myself also. We, we encourage it without really thinking that we do, and I'm going to show you how in, in just a few moments. What is behind this? These videos really showed the underbelly of abortion. And what you hear when it comes to Planned Parenthood or when it comes to abortion, uh, our society tends to lump everything into a barrel. Uh, it even goes back to even bullying. Is bullying wrong in school and bullying wrong? Out? Absolutely. But they, they tied bullying and the, the devastation that that caused, they tied that in with homosexuality. Okay, so we, we pass laws against bullying, and that really gives another agenda. And then they try to lump all that together even with homosexuality. You can't say anything against that. Well, uh, abortion is the same way. When we hear about Planned Parenthood, all they want to show is some of the good things that they say that they're doing and all of this. But this is what it really shows, the greed behind it. Uh, with no regard to human life or the mother's consent or the law, $400 million a year of taxpayer money are giving to Planned Parenthood. That doesn't, uh, it doesn't even say anything about the insurance claims, the, the money that they get on selling the parts, and things of this nature. But many times we don't see that aspect of it. 
We don't hear about that, that aspect. All we hear about is, is you know, all this that they lump into a big barrel and they treat it all the same. This is the part, the greed that is actually behind it is what it's become. And that's why I said at the beginning, I don't really think, or, or, or uh, I hate to imagine, that when abortion first came into existence in 1973, I don't know if this was actually what was behind it. I think it may have been more on choice. That doesn't make it right, but I, I just want us to see the progression that it's caused. Because when you open the door just a little bit with something, it's hard to get that door to close back. It just seems to open wider and wider and wider. And that's what we're seeing today. You see the greed that's behind it. There's become a, a high price on abortion. Not the abortion of the, the, the you know murdering the child itself, but what you can gain from that, the money that's behind it on selling the parts from it. Now, it's hard for me to even do a lesson based on this in this, in this way because it, you don't want to be graphic, but you have to be graphic enough to show what's really taking place. And I tell you, some of the things that I've watched and researched in doing this, it absolutely made me physically sick just to read it and just to see it. And the things that I didn't even know I knew abortion was wrong because I knew murder was wrong. I hate to even call it abortion. That's just a euphemism for murder is really all it is. And you see that part of it, but you don't really see all the money that is actually made because of it. That's really the driving force behind it. There is a high price when it comes to uh, uh, selling baby. Used to, you go in, get a sonogram, want to hear the heartbeat. You want to hear, oh, it's a good thing, everything's good. Now it's like, oh, you can hear, it's a good heartbeat. Boy, that would be a big price. Oh, that's a high price there. See if you can talk this individual, this lady, into having abortion. Tell her all the problems that there is. And, and this is what that one video showed. You know, you, you try to uh, encourage them to do this when you find what you want. And, and you, so you try to encourage them. You know, you can't raise a baby yourself. You can't do this. You can't do that. What if this happens or that happens? You get them so scared and upset that you cause them to have abortion so they can make money off of it. That, that's, you know, the video that she showed. And I think it's kind of funny that those that actually did the video was the ones that got indicted. I, I, I'm still not understanding that, how that takes place, but that's actually what, what has actually took place. But there is a high price when it comes to abortion. Money and greed is behind it uh, a lot. As again, as I said, it shows the, the underbelly, the, the bad things when it comes to abortion. But yet, you still have those that are for it that not only fight for it, they, they fight for it aggressively. They, they defend it aggressively. Why? Well, because their arguments. Their argument, first argument is this. It's not a child yet. It's only tissue. It's just tissue. It's not a child. They, they try to disassociate themselves from it. I was reading some things about, and I think there's actually a movie not too long ago uh, about this. It was about a, a, a gentleman scientist that did an experiment. And his experiment was you take two individuals, one of them that you've planted there, but the other one just comes in and volunteers, and, and you have them, one of them goes into a room, and the other one goes into another room. They don't see each other, but they can hear each other. And you've got one asking questions, one answering questions. They get the answer wrong, they flip a little switch and give them a little shock. And his experiment was, you know, as they, and they planted the one that wasn't answering the questions, or that was at, or answering them, and he would have them get them wrong so the other one would have to switch the, the little switch to shock them. Well, I think it was like 98% of the people went all the way of shocking them. Knowing they could hear them scream in the other side. Of course, it was planted. They were planted screaming, but they didn't know that they wouldn't be hurt. Then they would go silent. They didn't even know if they were dead or not. Just because somebody in a room at a table said, hit the next button. You have to flip the switch. You volunteer. Didn't force them to. They could get up and walk out, but because somebody in a white coat sitting at the table told them to shock this individual, they shocked them every single time. What did he prove? They proved the same thing that as they went back and interviewed some of those that, that of the Nazis that, that did the horrible crimes of the concentration camps and the gassing of the Jews. They disassociated themselves. They said it was my job to do that. I'm not the one doing it. Somebody told me to do it. And if we can disassociate ourselves from actually what's happening, we disassociate ourselves from the blame of actually what's happening. This is their argument. 
if they disassociate uh, that baby from being a baby, from being a human being, from being a child, then it makes their conscience feel better for what they're doing. So they say it's not a baby, it's just tissue. Matter of fact, these, the activists are up in a roar because after the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl, remember the Doritos commercial when it showed the baby in the womb that was wanting the Doritos? They were fussing because it showed the baby as a human being. They were mad because they showed it as in a commercial as, a, as, a, as actually a living being in the womb wanting a Dorito chip. That's, that's what they don't want you to see. They want you to think of it as a tissue, not as a human being. Does that look like tissue? I mean, all the way up through nine months, does that look like tissue? Any rational human being can understand that. But we don't, they don't want you to see images like that. They don't want you to see that sonogram image on a Doritos commercial where it actually shows the baby parts and the baby moving. And all. They don't want you to see any of that because it's tissue. It makes you feel better when you think of it as tissue. It makes you feel better when you don't think of it as actually a child. But that's what they want you to do. They want you to disassociate yourself with the situation. And if you do that, then that allows you to be able to sleep a little better at night. What does the Bible say? In Psalms 139, beginning at verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well, uh, soul knows very well, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet uniform. And in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet they were none of them. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 verse 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Then we all know in Luke chapter 1 verse 44, when Mary comes up to Elizabeth, remember what she said? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And in the scripture that was read just a few moments ago, when Moses was trying to give all the excuses that he could probably think of for not going and facing Pharaoh to release God's people as God told him to, he said, I'm not eloquent of speech. I, I'm not able to do this. Remember what God said? I know how you are. I made you. I, I made the dumb. I made the blind. I, I understand because I know who you are because I made you. You can't tell me anything about you that I don't know. It's a person. It is a living being that God has created, but yet they want us to think it's tissue. They want us to think it's not anything that's living. It, it's not alive yet. And if it's not alive yet, then if it's just a, a little bit of, uh, you know, some kind of little tissue, then it helps us again to sleep at night to be able to justify the things that individuals do. But that's their argument. But how, how does the Bible say? The Bible tells us that God knows exactly what it is because he's the one that made it. It's all about priorities. Look at this, and you've probably seen this before, but when it comes to this is how our, our logic and our line of thinking is today. You've got an eagle egg and you've got a human being. It is illegal from what, 200, I think it's $250,000 fine or imprisonment to destroy that eagle egg. You know why? Because it's illegal to kill an eagle. So the scientists will say, this isn't tissue here, that's an eagle. In that egg is an eagle and it is illegal to kill an eagle. So if it's illegal to kill an eagle, it is illegal to kill the egg because inside that egg is an eagle. So if that's an eagle in that egg, and that's just tissue? That's all that that is? That's just tissue. It's all right to kill that over there, but it's not all right to kill this. Now, as I said in the beginning, I've been, I've been told that I'm not very smart, and I'm not. I, I, there's a lot of things that I lack in, but I don't understand that, so maybe I'm not as smart as I need to be. Maybe somebody can explain to me how something in an egg is considered what it's going to become, but something that's in the womb is not. But that is where, that's where our laws are. That's where society is. You can't kill this, but it's all right to kill this. In what natural realm does that make sense? You know, you ever heard some people, some people say that we lose all logic and common sense when it comes to religion? 
Well, we lose all common sense when it comes to anything political, religion, or sometimes what we call scientific uh, or science here. We think, well, there's somebody that's smarter than I am. If they say it's okay, it's bound to be okay. If they say that's right, it's all right. I can go out and look at the sky and the sky's blue, but somebody that I think is smarter than me and went to school a lot more than me and have a lot of letters behind my name, their name that I don't have, if they look up and say, no, Ronald, that sky's red, I have to believe that. Even though I can see it's blue, because they tell me it's red, I've got to believe that it's red. But that's exactly what we do, isn't it? I mean, that's, exa I mean, that's exactly how we go through this life is, is believing what somebody else says. And this, I, I, I didn't make this up. This is, this is what it is. It's all right to murder a baby, but you can't eat an eagle egg because inside that egg is actually an eagle. And, and you, can't, you can't touch them. They're, they're something special. And I agree with that. I, I agree you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to destroy an eagle egg. But I know for a fact you shouldn't be able to destroy and murder a baby. Common sense would tell us that, but many times we don't see that. Here's what it boils down to. A fetus is this, an unborn offspring of a mammal. In particular, an unborn human baby more than eight weeks after conception. You know the reason one's okay and one's not? You've got two different babies here. You can't kill this one, but you can kill that one up there. You know why? It's a real estate term. I don't know if I have any realtors in here, but we're in the process of trying to sell our house and we're trying to find something. And you know the reason we can't find something? Location. I've got a certain location we want to be in. It all comes down to location, location, location. That's, that's the reason you kill one, can't kill the other, location. You can, you can kill one because the location. It's, it's still in the womb. It's, it's, it's not a child yet. It's, it's, it's just tissue. You, you can kill that one. The other one's out now and, you know, can do that. Location. That's the only difference in those two right there. They're actually the same age, 24 weeks. One was born at 24 weeks and one's in at 24 weeks. The only reason you can't kill one is location. Now, again, what, what kind of sense does that make? Now, I know this, you know, this may be saying, no, Ronald, that's, that just is, yeah, it is. I agree with you. My stomach is just as upset as yours is. You know, and, and this all started, I was just researching about Reagan and Sanctity of Life Day, and it became, you know, I guess that's how preachers' minds work sometimes. It just develops into something. It became this, and as I got to thinking about that sanctity of life and got to researching these things, I thought, how did we get here? How, how did we actually get to this point to where something like that is okay? Their other argument is it's my body, it's my choice. And I think this is what the original argument was. And I think this is still a strong argument. I think they're pushing the tissue more now. Um, uh, they're even changing things. I noticed at the funeral home there, they've even changed the way they do things on death certificates and things when it comes to uh, an unborn uh, child or it comes to a born, on how they actually write things on there. It, it, that tissue issue has become a big issue. But I think this is still one of the main issues and probably the beginning one. It's my body. It's my choice. That, I, I believe we think that in a lot of things. Nobody can tell me what to do. You know, I, I think that's one of the things, the reason that, that God said, whosoever will come after me, it does need to be a choice. God doesn't want to force us to obey him. But we have to realize that there are consequences and there are rewards for the choices that we make. Is it my choice what I do? Yeah. To an extent, we believe that. But, you know, what if I walk out and, um, you know, walk out of my house, and believe it or not, there's probably some people who don't like me. I can't imagine why, but I can give you a pretty long list of people that don't. And say I walk out on my front porch, and they walk by or drive by, and they just shoot me on the porch. It's their choice to shoot me. That should be okay. You know, we think, well, uh, 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 morals is not something you should get into when it gets into the government, and we shouldn't have. We don't believe that. We don't believe that for one minute. I like the law that says nobody, when I walk out on the porch, they can't just come up and shoot me. I've kind of, you know, kind of favored to that law. I, I'm glad that they can't do that. Now, some will break that law and do different things, and there's consequences, by, but they do still have a choice. So it, come, it does come down to choice. But we have to realize that there are rewards and there are, are consequences for the choice in which we make. And many times, I, I believe, we don't really think about that. It's her body, it's her choice. Um, 
individuals, even all through the ages, have tend to believe that that, that, that child's still in the womb. And even in some cases, when they, when they get out, it, it's, it's an object. It's just a commodity. Uh, in ancient Carthage, uh, there has been some research that showed as the archaeologists did some digs, and they found that in different ways that they dig, when it become different uh, um, years as they pass, they seen something different in that city, in the old city of Carthage. They seen that when, when Carthage was first established, that they made animal sacrifices. There's all kinds of evidence for the animal sacrifices in which they made. But they seen as Carthage went on through the years and they grew into this uh, uh, pretty big uh, metropolis, if you will, that uh, more people got there, there were more uh, people to feed, animals became something that they cherished because they needed, it for, they needed them for food. So they quit sacrificing animals and started sacrificing their children. And uh, as they found this out, they could tell that they, they considered animals as something more precious to them because they needed it for food and that their children were just commodities. They were just objects. They wouldn't really something that, I mean, you could just do with what you wanted to with. So that's what they did. They, they knew that they had to make sacrifices, so they started sacrificing their children. Uh, you can even go up even into Rome. Uh, Rome, the father had the, the authority and the ability that when their child was the child was born, if he wanted to keep it, fine. If he didn't, he could go out and sit on a rock and leave it for dead. That was his choice. He was the father. He could choose what he wanted to do. If he needed a son at that time, he would keep it. If he didn't, he would, he would just lay it on a rock and let it die. If he didn't need a girl at that time, that's, that's what he would do. Even in China, in China, they said, okay, you can only have this many children. I think it was two children. They said, okay, that's all you can have, and if you're going to have any more, you have to have an abortion. So guess what? If they would find out that they were having a girl, guess what they would do more times than not? Have an abortion. Murder it. Because a, a, a male was considered more valuable for what they wanted to do. So all through the ages, this, this has been considered as it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's my body, it's my choice. It's, it's just a commodity. It's just an object so I can make the choice, I'm in control, I can make the choice to do what I want to do with it. And we've seen that all down through the ages. But when they were saying it's, it's my body, it's my choice. Here's another one, and I don't know if you could read it very well from up there in the red. But this is what's come up now with this uh, Zika virus, or Zika virus, I believe. Uh, Zika virus. And what this would cause would mothers to... Uh, uh, have their child would have deformities. It would actually have a smaller brain and a smaller head than normal. So what this lady says, this is a perfect opportunity now to be able to change these laws that you have. You know, this religious fundamentalist who put the lives of thousands of women at risk in Brazil each year uh, to ma maintain laws, notice, belonging in the dark ages. So they're using this virus as another uh, platform to say, you need to loosen up on these abortion laws. You know, these ladies are having, going to be having children that are deformed, and they need to make the choice. They need to be able to make the choice, so you need to loosen up on these laws. So they're just using something bad that's happening in the world again, a, a, a virus that's happening that does cause devastation. They're using that as a platform to be able to say, okay, you need to loosen up the laws now because, you know, you're, you're, you're putting... Uh, 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 this is that the woman's choice, and the, these laws belong in the Stone Ages, belong in the in the Dark Ages. It says, um, again, Psalms one thirty nine, verse thirteen. Uh, what did he say? He said, "You know, in in my inward parts, you have formed me." Notice, um, for you have formed my inward parts; you covered me in my mother's womb. Now, I want you to look at this because this is an example of what individuals will say. A woman says, it's my body. Now again, go back and look at the eagle egg and, and think about the child and use the logic that we use there. We know what's inside that egg and we know what that child is. The woman said, it's my body. What did the Lord say? For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Yes, that child is growing in there, but is it a part of her body? Does it become a part of her body? 
Look at that. You've got the woman's body and you've got the baby's body. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, a, a, a lady, a, a woman can't feel the child in there and it, it is attached to her and it's living off the things. Well, absolutely. But here's the thing. We, you keep hearing the argument, it's my body, it's my body. God is saying it's two separate things. Two separate things here. But many times we don't want to see that. Notice this. This woman's inside of a car yet never becomes a car part, does she? She can ride around that car as long as she wants to. She never becomes a car part. Well, that child, that baby is inside the woman's body yet never becomes a part of her body. It doesn't become like her hand. It doesn't become like her fingers or her feet. or her. It, it, it's in her body, yes. But God said that it is different. He said, I, you created me in my inward parts. Again, it goes back to location. We say it's location, it's my body, I can do whatever I want to do. But yet, again, it never becomes part of her body. Sooner or later, you know, now, you could probably argue, now I've never gone through childbirth. I've witnessed childbirth, and I can tell you by witnessing childbirth, there come a point where my wife didn't want that child to be a part of her body anymore. There come a time she wanted it out. It, 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 it come a time to where there wasn't any room for it anymore. It's time to come out and, and, and come into the world. I, we understand this. We can see this, and many of you have witnessed that. But the argument is, it's my body. My body. Is it really? Yeah, you can make a choice for your body, but who gives you a right to make a choice for somebody else's? Again, there's consequences and there's rewards for the same thing. Exodus 21. I want you to notice one of God's laws here. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges uh, determine. Verse 23. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. So notice a couple things here. One, God is not talking about any woman. He's talking about a pregnant woman. And he's saying here you give the balance is the same. Uh, a child's life that is in the womb is worth the same amount as somebody out of the womb as a man's wife, uh, life is, as a woman's life, as an adult life. It's the same thing, life for life, tooth for tooth, foot for foot, these types of things. Now notice, Here's the thing. He's saying, what's he doing? He's recognizing that there is a life inside of her. He says, if you hurt her to where she just gives birth prematurely, then you still have to pay a penalty for that, whatever the husband says and whatever the judge determines. But if you kill that child that's in her, it's life for life. That's how valuable that, 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 that God places on that. And we say it's our body, it's my choice. It's not even our children, it's God's. Boy, look what I did. Get a little excited, don't you? It's, it's, it's God's. That's, that's what's so important here. God is the one that created that. We're just entrusted with it. We're just stewards of it. It's not, you know, my children, I'm responsible for how I raise my children. But they're not mine, they're God's. But we say it's mine, it's all about me. And God is saying here, here's how important this is to me. You do something to hurt that child, here was the penalty for it. And a matter of fact, does law still exist to that? I think that's kind of ironic too. You've got where, you know, we, we have sanctioned, made laws, it's okay to kill a child, but you let somebody kill a woman that's pregnant, he's charged with how many murders? Two. Does that make sense? Should he be charged with that? Absolutely. So we have by the same token, we have over here saying um, it's okay to murder them, but over here it's saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to charge you and give you the death penalty because for two murders that you committed. These laws are still on the books. We're still following God's law when it comes to that. There are consequences if you hurt that child that's in the womb. But yet, that's exactly what we sanctioned and did since 1973. Again, look at this. What's the difference? It comes down, when you see it in terms like this, what's the difference? It's just location. That's the difference. It just comes down to location. You can murder somebody depending on where they're located. And to me, for the life of me, I just can't understand that. Here's where the problem is. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> we had Sanctity of Life Day. 
a, a great thing. <coughs> you know, it makes us aware of, of what's going on. Say we march on Washington, we march up to the Supreme Court, and I think many times we give the president way too much power. I think one of the greatest powers he has is, is and of course I guess they're in a battle today over that, but appointing someone to the Supreme Court. You know, that's where the true laws are made. That's where it gets very, very scary. But say we march up and somehow or another all of us band together and we convince the Supreme Court to change that decision. They've closed down Planned Parenthood. They've closed down all the abortion clinics. They've, they, you know, it's not, say we accomplished all of that. Have we really, really cured the problem? Because here's the thing. 83% uh, of all abortions are from unwed mothers. 18% and growing uh, are from teenage girls. So what is the problem? Well, let's notice something here. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Here's the sin, isn't it? Sexual immorality is a sin. We have to realize that. We have to come to grips with that, and we have to deal with that. But by the same token, this is not a sin. There is a difference. Sexual immorality takes place. And when sexual immorality takes place, many times a pregnancy takes place. But we have to make sure, and we have to be very careful and very clear that we understand the difference. It is not a sin to have a child. It's not a sin to be pregnant. Now, has a sin committed? Has a sin happened? Sexual immorality happened? Which you call fornication. You've got, uh, you, say you've got a, 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 a boy and a girl, they're dating, and, and uh, they, they commit fornication and a child uh, happens because of that. Okay, when that takes place, sexual immorality, the fornication was a sin, that's what has to be dealt with, correct? Absolutely. We can't just say, oh, everything's okay, you didn't do anything wrong, you didn't do anything, you know, uh, we, we can't do that. We have to recognize it's a sin. That, that's the first, first thing for anything, isn't it? Have to recognize it's sin. That's what David had to do. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, but we see all the things that David was involved in, David was involved in committing uh, uh, adultery. David was involved with murder. David was involved in these things. You say, well, he done these things. He did this with Bathsheba. He had Uriah murdered, and he committed sin. How can he be a man after God's own heart? Remember when the prophet came up to him, described all that about the lamb, and he says, you are the man. What did David say? I have sinned. Repentance. Repentance is the issue. Repentance is, is the thing. We all, I can't stand up and say I've never sinned. We, we all sin and fall short of God's glory, and the wages of sin is death. You remember what James says? When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So we have to make sure to take care of that sin before it becomes full grown. So this sexual immorality is a sin that we have to make sure that we get a handle on, that we make sure that we take care of. But even with that, there is a consequence. And the consequence can be a pregnancy. But the pregnancy, that child that is in there, that child is not the sin. And we have to make sure that we understand that. Uh, here's a couple of things. Uh, I'm pregnant. What am I supposed to do now? I, I know I've made a mistake. Here's where this, these Planned Parenthoods, as you see in these videos, here's where they get some of these. You get, you get a young lady that comes in there scared to death. She don't know what to do, and she's going to individuals to get some advice, to get someone to tell her some things to do, and they're telling her, get rid of it. Get rid of it. They're telling her to get rid of it because they're going to make money off of it, and they're telling her to get rid of it. She don't know what to do. She's scared. That seems like a very uh, uh, viable option to her. What is our responsibility when something like that happens. Uh, well, 1 John 1 and 7 says we've got to take care of the sin, right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Um, blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purifies us from what? All unrighteousness. See, we tend to, tend to treat 
this situation different than we do any other. Now, are some sins more visual to us than others? Yeah, but it's still sin. How do we treat it? If Say you have an alcoholic that's, that, that comes to us and, and, and they're struggling with alcohol and they want help uh, 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 beating that disease. Would we do everything possible to help them with that? Yeah, we would do everything we possibly could. A drug addict come, we'd do everything we possibly could to help them through the situation. And they're probably suffering consequences of that sin. They're suffering consequences of, of what took place. Our responsibility is to help. It's no different here. No different at all, is it? But we can, if we're not careful, uh, encourage abortion more than we actually uh, stop it. Uh, pregnancy is not a disease. There has to be some spiritual cleansing. There has to be recognition of how a person got into a situation if it was that if it's that situation. Now, granted, there, there are married couples that they just said, I don't want this child, and they have an abortion. We understand that's an issue, but what happens when you, as I said, you close down all that, you say that, you know, can't have abortion cleaned, but you still have boy and girl that make a mistake, that do something. What's the consequences of it, and how are we supposed to treat that? Um, Psalms 127 verse 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Some translations say gift. Um, the, notice, the fruit of the womb. That child is a fruit. And she's going to bear that fruit, isn't she? That, that child is, is a fruit. What is our responsibility? Well, we have a responsibility to bear fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are we, again, how is our attitude toward that individual? She knows she made a mistake. She, she knows what she did was wrong. Now she has a consequence of that. Is it a sin now that she's in? She took care of the sin of immorality. She repented of it. Sexual immorality there. Now what? Is what's inside of her the sin? Is what's in, what she's doing now a sin? How, how do we treat that? And I think this is a subject that's not talked about very much. But I really think this is one of the driving forces behind abortion is they take scared individuals and convince them to do something. They made a mistake and they convince them to even make a more tragic mistake. If we don't watch, that's exactly what takes place. What we need to do? Keep calm and stop abortion. That's the hard part. Keep calm. We're supposed to be sober-minded, aren't we? Be vigilant because our adversary of the devil is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we look at that and we see it and we got to make sure that we're thinking clearly on how to help the situation. First thing, stop gossiping about it. That happens a lot. All, you know, you see all this whispering behind. It. Did you know what she did? Can you see that she's pregnant? Can you see? You know, she. You have all of this, and 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 the 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 lady may feel the young girl may feel shunned and and don't know what to do. She's repented of 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 the sexual immorality. She understands what's wrong. So now. And, and sometimes in our actions, without us really realizing what we're doing, we're telling her what's inside of her is wrong to get rid of it. And maybe that's what she's thinking. If I just get rid of it, the visual part will go away and people start stop talking about me. So if I take care of it before I start showing, then, you know, they won't talk about me then. So what have we done? We've got someone that's committing sin here by sexual immorality and uh, fornication, and they repent of it. Then you've got a tragic sin on this end, which is abortion, what happens in the middle? What, 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 how are we supposed to treat what's going on now? How are we supposed to help a person through that situation? Again, we're not condoning the action of how it took place, but there is a consequence now. There is something there. I, I was reading through some letters of, of uh, uh, letters that ones that decided to have an abortion and they, they think back over it now. As I was reading some of them I found online, one of them that really stuck out to me, she said one of the things that, that she remembers is that she felt guilty for being happy that she had that child to start with. She said she didn't, she didn't feel happy about how it happened, but now the child was growing and, and she loved that child. But she was made to feel guilty because she did. And that's what caused her to have an abortion. And now she, she lives with the guilt of having the abortion. But stop gossiping about it. We, you know, what do we think? We see that, that, that young girl comes in and, and, and we know what took place because she come forward and, and she's repenting so we know what took place and then she starts showing and then the whispering starts. Oh, she, 
she's pregnant. What are they going to do? What, what's going to happen? What, you know what she did? You know, how, how is she supposed to live with that? Now, I can't put myself in that situation. I, I'll be honest, I don't know anybody in that situation. But, you know, I, as I'm thinking through that, and I think back of how they get these young girls to uh, uh, do the abortion to start with because they prey on that fear and that anxiety, and I'm thinking back, are we fueling it? Are we fueling the fear? Are we fueling the anxiety of, of what takes place? Again, we're not condoning the action. I think that's where we have trouble knowing the difference. We're not condoning it, but what are we doing? Sometimes we're fueling it when it comes to abortion. What about loving them and thinking on certain things? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate upon those things. The fruit, that, that fruit that's there, that, 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 that's growing there now, Think on that. Think on how we can help in that situation. That's what's praiseworthy. That's what's true. That's what's pure. Is what's growing there now. That's what we need to help with. That's where we show the love with. And it's hard for us to break that stigma and not do it because we, we seem like if we go up and we put our arm around we put our arm around this girl and say, you know, I, I know what you're going through and I'm here to help and I'm, I, I, you know, I want to help in any way I can. We, we kind of equate that with we condone what she did and what he did. But it's not at all. It's helping a, a, someone who did something in their life get through what's in their life and help them carry on from there to be the Christian that God wants them to be. Uh, we do that with other people that sin. But many times we have a hard time doing it when it comes to that. Uh, so one way is to love. One way is quick gospel. Another way, vote. I'm going to throw a little bit of this in here. Vote. You know, we have some people stand up and say, abortion is every woman's right. Her body, it's her choice. But by the same token, we say, yeah, it's your body, your choice, but you can't eat sugar, you can't drink soda, you can't eat cakes, you can't, you know. We say the same thing out of the both sides. Again, how, how does that logic even come in there? We, we think it's all right for one, but we're not all right for other. But we have a chance to vote whatever. And it doesn't matter party. It matters their voting record and what they stand for, whatever it is. You know, you say you can't mix both. Absolutely. We're supposed to. We're Christian. Whether I'm in the voting booth or whether I'm at McDonald's or whether I'm in this building or whether I'm at work at the funeral home, I'm a Christian no matter where I'm at. I've got a responsibility. So we can't stand back and just say, you know, as Jonathan was talking about in his Bible class this morning, being passive, what does that do? Sometimes that breeds other actions. So if we just stand by and say, well, as long as I'm not a part of it, it doesn't matter. We're lying to ourselves if we think that. We are absolutely lying to ourselves. But many times we convince ourselves. I mean, think about it. If I had somebody come up to me and say, you know, Ronald, I'm a murderer. I, I, I do this. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a thief. I'll do all these things. But if, you know, if, if you're for me, I, I'll give you $100 a day. But just don't worry about those other things. Most of us take the $100. We take the $100. We just say, okay, those things don't matter as long as my wallet's getting fat. These things don't matter as long as my wallet gets filled. That's what we think many times. Whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes we fuel this by our actions. Another thing, and one final thing, and here's why I put this up, adoption. I wasn't expected, but I was selected. I had a preacher one time in some different discussions, and I think he's told another preacher this, said, you can't, this was a member of the Lord's church. He says, you can't preach against abortion if you're, unless you're willing to adopt every child that's, that's going to be had that a woman would adopt. Now, does that make sense? How in the world can I adopt every child that, that you know, comes into this world that a woman said, okay, I won't have abortion, but you adopt me? I can't physically do that. But here's why I put this here. There are a lot of ways that we can, in essence, adopt. There are a lot of ways we can help. That child doesn't have to have my last name for me to help that child. You know, they don't have to be my family, as it were, for me to help that young lady and that child in some way. I think it's church responsibility to help in whatever way we can. It's Christian's responsibility. You know, to find different ways to, to be able to help. Uh, it's like a situation I went and, uh, with an uh, elder one time. We went and talked to this one man, and he was going to become a Christian, and uh, he drove a beer truck. And as we were talking, you know, to him, you know, he said, okay, I know I've got to, you know, quit driving a beer truck. And as we come back, this one elder said, yes, yeah. and we'll have to make sure you don't drive that beer truck anymore. And I said, well, it's our responsibility to help them in. That's, right now, that's their livelihood. He didn't know any better, so what are we going to do now? 
You know, it's real easy for us as a congregation or individuals to say, okay, you're living in sin, get out of it. It's a whole different area of saying, let me help you get through it. Let me help you through this process. That's going to take energy. That's going to take talent. That's going to take some time. And we're not willing to invest that many times. I think we ought to help in whatever way we can. So I did. I got on the phone and, and went and visited people, tried every way I possibly could to help find him a job. We finally did. You know, it's easy to say get out of sin. It's another way, okay, now live that you're out of sin. And that's one example after another we can find that. This is the same way. Okay, committed sin, now you have to live in a certain way. Let me help you through this process. But there's a lot of way, and I know this from experience. They don't have to have your last name for you to do all that you possibly can for an individual that's in a bad situation. And see, that, that is our, our situation. Our situation is to help people in their darkest times, isn't it? That's a scary time. Why don't we help instead of just criticizing? And by that, that's what I mean. That's why I think that we can actually sometimes use adoption or use abortion sometimes. We can fuel it more than we help. Someone once said, if you think small, fragile and weak individuals can't bring about change. Remember what happens when snowflakes unite. You know, when one snowflake comes, it doesn't cause much. But you let several unite together, then kids are out of school. I mean, it does things. I can call in and say, I can't get to work. I understand my pajamas today. You know, you get a lot together, that causes some, some disturbance, doesn't it? So we think a lot of times, I can't do this. I, you know, I'm just one person. I say this a lot. You know, I, I'm just one person. I can't do you know, I, what can I do myself? You know, what, what can I actually do? You know, I can remember the time when uh, the lottery came to Tennessee. I was living in Willett at the time, or was about to, and I put a no lottery sign in my yard. I had, I don't know, within the first day, probably three people tell me, you're not going to do any good with that. Not one good are you going to do with that. I said, no, but everybody drives by my house and knows which side I'm on. You know, I, I can do this. I can. There are just certain things that I can do by myself. But if everybody does those certain things, whatever it is, you know, that's where we change things. That's where we turn the world upside down, the cities upside down. But we can't stand back and be passive and say, this doesn't involve me. Because it does. We see it all around us. It does involve us. We're Christians, and we need to make sure that it involves us. So I ask you today, are you a Christian? What's your mindset? What is your choice? It is your choice. It's your choice whether to become a Christian or not. It's your choice whether to live for God or not. It's your choice whether you want to go to heaven or hell. Nobody forces you. People say, well, a loving God wouldn't send me to hell. He doesn't. I send myself. He tells me what to do to be saved, and if I don't do these things, I won't be saved. You prove that it's my choice. He tells me to believe his word, have faith in his word. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 6, he tells me to repent of my sins. Luke 13 says again in verse 5. Uh, 13 verse 3, verse, uh, verse 3 and 5. Uh, confess, Matthew 10, 32, 33. To be baptized for the remission of my sins, Acts 2, verse 38. Wash away my sins, Acts 22, verse 16. And live faithful to him, 1 John 1 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Maybe you've done those things, but sin has entered your life. There is a way out. Hebrews 10, 26 says, If we sin willfully, there remains no more sacrifice for us. So what we're actually doing is getting out of that flow of blood that continues to cleanse us. Maybe you're here today and you need to get back into that flow. Maybe you just need encouragement. Maybe you just need the prayers. We're here not because, just because you have sinned, but because you're struggling and, and you may sin because there's so many things going on in your life. You don't know exactly what choice to make. We're here to help. That's what we're for. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a family here to help each other. So if you're here and we can assist you in any way, will you come as together we stand and sing? Come on, you make your brother.